You are listening to episode 136 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we're going to want to pick up, games we can't wait to be playing, and we find out what happens when you cross Ronald McDonald with Rayman in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So anybody wondering that reference, we played a little bit of Pluck on the uh, Super Nintendo this past Come week. on, you got to put some oomph in there. There's an exclamation point. It's Pluck. 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 Uh, mustard Ketchup Klansman, as Ryan called it last week. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we played that platformer this week, and we'll get into a little more detail here pretty soon. But this week on our podcast episode, uh, we'll be talking about Elden Ring. Will it be easier? The dev says no, but no difficulty <laughs> options. Or no, it will be easier. Not will not. Sorry, I messed that one up. Uh, let's see. Next thing we're going to be talking about, uh, E3's past, E3's present, and E3's future. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, we'll dig into that in a bit. But Ryan, any pickups this week? No. No, nothing? Really? Nothing No, who's, who's spending money during E3? It's all eye candy, baby. It's the week of window shopping. Nothing delayed. So it's just window shopping for you. That's it. Oh, yeah, man. That's all the stuff that... Money could buy, if only. Well, uh, I did have a pickup, finally. So I had my copies of To The Moon on Nintendo Switch finally came in this week. So uh, I'm excited to get through that one, man. That's supposed to be like a really sad RPG-style game. I remember we like, talked about that so forever long ago. Well, yeah, cause it, it was a digital copy, but now the physical copy's been released. And uh, it's supposed to be like this old man whose dying wish is... I guess to like live out certain memories he never got to live out. So these two doctors go into his head, I guess, and start piecing it all together and like put together his last dying wish. I don't know. All I know is I'm probably going to cry when it's all done. So we'll, we'll see. I'll let you guys know. Uh, but that's like a four hour game. So I could probably knock it out in a weekend if I, or even a day, if I really put my mind to it. Um, but outside of pickups, I am still playing Biomutant. Talked about it last week. I'll probably be talking about it next week. Uh, I'm not enjoying it so far. It is, uh, to go into detail on this, kind of a letdown. Like, we talked about how I can't get past the dialogue component. So I definitely did switch the, uh, the audio to Japanese uh, for the narrator. And uh, pretty much the way people kind of said it's supposed to sound is when a narrator's speaking in Japanese, it kind of gives you a vibe of, like, watching a, a, a subbed anime. So you have this Japanese audio coming through and then the subtitles and that's supposed to, you know, feel better, I guess. And it, it just didn't. It just doesn't fit that world. So definitely an issue there. Um, I am already seeing uh, issues in, in terms of the overall missions. Like my first mission was uh, to take over some different territories and I just didn't have a whole lot of fun. Like the combat is not as like dynamic as you would think in the experience i've had you can pretty much knock out enemies by just dodging them and shooting them like larger enemies there's no like necessity of hand-to-hand combat and what i've experienced so far the crafting is all over the place there's just far too many items to pick up far too many things that you can craft like it's in a sense like i kind of want that in a game but at the same time it just feels very overwhelming and it's difficult to kind of tell like okay, cool, this is a common item and I should hold on to this or this is a really rare item and I should totally use it. It's it's blatant, right? It says common, uncommon, and rare and all of that on there. But 
some of the uncommon stuff I've picked up is just as good as the rare stuff. So it makes like zero sense in some capacity. Um, so yeah, and the story, I'm telling you, dude, like that narrator aspect really kills a lot of the emotion in the story. So you can come across like the most sadistic person in the game and have like this giant battle that's going to be ensuing. And with that narrator in play, it just sounds like it's all happy-go-lucky. There was actually a scene where like, uh, a family member of the main character, so spoiler alert, but a family member dies. And it goes through this like whole emotional, uh, you know, backflash of the or flashback of the entire thing happening. And I just didn't feel anything because of the narrator. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of at a loss right now. Like I want to keep playing this game, but at the same time, I kind of just want to be like, screw it and move on to something else because I'm not having fun in the first 10 levels of the game I'm playing. And I'm just not sure I'm going to have fun in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 levels that I'm playing. So I'm kind of on the edge. Like, do I continue playing and just beat it and go through like main quest? Do I, um, you know, go through and, uh, just, you know, explore the world a little bit more and see if I like it and turn it off. I, I have no idea at this point. So see, this is, uh, this is where you can really see, um, the choices that I've made in my life and, and how they benefit me. Cause I can just bail on a game at a moment's notice, whether a good game, uh, possibly one of my favorite games of all time. Just, you know, never finished the new God of war, just moved on to something else. Come on, Johnny, you gotta, you gotta learn to accept a little quit into your life. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, uh, we'll probably, I'll probably be talking more about it on the next episode and just how, you know, that I, I'm not sure. And, the uncertainty on this and you know maybe i do give it up and just call it a loss but i hate to do that because i did want to play this game so badly and now it's just i don't know so but if i don't play this you know i'm i'm trying to think because i already beat my new game's resolution you know seeing as you haven't so i'm well ahead of it and uh i don't know if i want to play the new god of war because i know i'll enjoy that or if i want to jump into another rpg or to the moon i mean it might be the next game i play so i'm not sure uh, we'll see. I'll give it another maybe week, two weeks of playing this because I only play at night. I don't really play like for long extended hours. And um, we'll just see if I can muster my way through it and, and continue to play and enjoy it or if I just call it a loss. So more to come on that, folks. Uh, well, overall, did you play anything else this week or no? Just some more Resident Evil 8 New Game Plus. I'm really digging it. It's... Um... It's going great being able to go back through and pick up all the spots like that I missed and just really be able to like just run through because I know what to expect. I also went through and toned up the uh, camera speed and it makes it so much more easy to aim and I feel like a lot more in control. I'd heard people say that, but I wanted to kind of go through that whole first playthrough and just do it how I was doing it. And um, it makes it feel really action-y when you just kind of sprint through it and you've got so much... I feel like I always have extra ammo because my guns are so strong that, like, I can waste most enemies, like, pretty quick. And I've got huge magazines for, like, most of my guns. So, like, one trip to, like, upgrade the ammo capacity for the shotgun gives me, like, 40 bullets, which would take, like you know, an hour or so to find that many bullets just playing through. So yeah. 
once I fully max out the shotgun, I think I'll get unlimited ammo for it because I'll have enough. Uh, I didn't spend like any of my after game points on anything yet because I wanted to get something that I could get unlimited ammo for so that I can like really just kind of tool around and do whatever. And I think the fully upgraded shotgun is going to be the one to go for. But there's like loads of other guns and stuff that you can buy. Uh, there's like a, a lightsaber you can unlock. I don't know if I'll get that far because that's going to be like a lot of mercenary stuff. And I think I said before, I'm not real big on mercenaries. Gotcha. So uh, after this, you play in Mario Odyssey or Persona? Um, I'd like to say both. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We know you, we know you can't play both. And uh, if you don't, if you don't beat Persona this year, we're gonna have to just knock it off altogether and have you play some Spice World instead. Oh my god! If I don't beat Persona, then I'll just never play a Persona game. <laughs> yeah, if you don't beat Persona, not only is it Blue's Clues, but it's also Spice World. And you already got to play Blue's Clues, so. Uh, I think the Spice Girls dance game is next on the list. Okay. And then maybe, maybe you have to go through all of Miss Spider's Tea Party one We've more time. We've already done that one. I don't care. You got to do That's it again. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> all I right. I really well, got to step it up. These I'm threats sure are not it. idle. No, they really aren't. I, You know, I've got a Winnie the Pooh honeypot game too. I'm sure you could play. It's on N64, sure so do. I'll kind of mix things up. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> I definitely, no, it's a, uh, is it Winnie the Pooh? It's Winnie the Pooh, but I think it's specifically Tigger. So there might be some excitement Why involved in that. Why would Tigger have a honeypot? That's a Pooh Bear thing. No, I think it's a Tigger game, but it's like Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, or something. I, I don't know, man. Like, you think I played this game before? Uh, I assume so. No, definitely haven't. Favorite Maybe we should RPG. do it in a future. We should do it on a future inflation deflation challenge. Is it worth or, anything? I don't know. Or we just bring back the crappy game challenge. But no, never, <laughs> never, never again. again. Okay, uh, let's look at, uh, well, before we start this week's episode, or <laughs> this week's episode, before we start this week's uh, articles, uh, if you're interested in hearing more of the Game Deflators podcast, you can find us at thegamedeflators.com or interact with us on social media at the Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram and at Game Deflators on Twitter. All right, so Ryan, first one, Elden Ring will be easier, Dev says, but no difficulty option. This is Man. Ian Walker at Kotaku. I can't wait to have this conversation again. Are we like every every time a new Soulsborne comes out, it's should there be an easy mode? Should all games have an easy mode? Like we've had this argument like almost yearly for like a long time now, and I'm so sick of hearing everybody talk about it and then hearing people make the point that, oh, we talk about this every year and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, you hear it from both sides. And you know what, man? If the game's too hard, not every game is meant for everyone. Sometimes you just have to kind of deal with that. Like, <laughs> some people are just never going to spend the time that it takes to, like, really get good at fighting games. And people aren't like out there crying at the world about it and uh, it just it's such a dumb thing to talk about like watch a playthrough watch a let's play watch if you like Soulsborne stuff watch Vati Vidya on YouTube he's tremendous and awesome and he lays out all of the lore in really well edited videos and it saves you all the time and effort you would need to run around that world and get killed a thousand times like 
There's better ways if you want to know the answers, they're out there. You don't have to play it if it's too hard for you. And it's okay if a game's too hard for you. Yeah, and that's what frustrates me about this, right? Because like I was hoping for it to be even harder than Sekido. And to hear this type of news, I'm like, well, shit. You know, like I dude, I enjoyed dying like 40 damn times in the final boss battle of Sekido. Like it was at the end of the day, you feel so much more accomplished. Uh, with that game and completing it because you busted your ass to get to that point. Like when I had the first hard battle I ran into in Sekiro, I want to say I played it that same boss battle like 50 times. And there were multiple instances where I got to like the third out of the three phases and like just came close and ended up dying. But like every single time it happened, I felt so good about it. And just, it just comes naturally, man. Like at some point while you're playing this game, you, you it kind of clicks and you're like oh crap like that's the move i need to make okay this is where i need to to hit the guy and at this time like all of those things just kind of come as you as you continue playing and i think that it's in a way kind of refreshing because it's not easy and it brings back that difficulty that you had from a lot of those older retro games where they're just flipping hard man and so this is kind of that same deal right and um I, I just enjoy it, and I'm I'm kind of upset that they're saying it's going to be kind of along the lines of like Dark Souls three, which honestly was the easiest Dark Souls out of all. I of them. mean, you it's like Bloodborne too. Like you reach a point in Bloodborne where it's like you understand exactly how to walk up to an enemy and stun lock them until they're dead, and then you just treat every single enemy of that type that you run into as a two hit combo or a three hit combo. Because that's all that stands between you and just walking past them. And once you like well, know the timing and know how to approach them, I mean, you just kind of delete them out of your way. And it doesn't really have that same level of difficulty. It's just that that learning curve of knowing like when to attack and stuff. That's why I was no good at Sekiro. Because it was like I was just trying to still be playing Bloodborne. And I wasn't good with like the counter attacks. I've never been good at like parrying in games and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it just wasn't the kind of combat flow that I was looking for at the time. But like, yeah, I'm and, sure this will can... be like so much more because it'll probably be like the movement ability of Sekiro with like being able to jump and like actually be more mobile, but with like, you know, hopefully not that same kind of parry counter block stamina meter thing like a little more traditional on that side i think would be better more like dark souls but i think the added mobility in the game will be what makes it easier not necessarily the dueling with enemies yeah so i think honestly um the big thing that you're going to see in this game is like the mounts. There's supposed to be mounts in this game. Mm-hmm. And to your point, the jumping and such, I think we'll still have a lot of the parrying and stuff that you would have in, in say, Blood, or not Bloodborne, but in Dark Souls. Maybe not to the same extent as Sekiro, because I think that was more so, you know, as a, you know, doing what you're doing and the type of weapons you're utilizing. So, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out when it is released. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed overall. And, um, what? I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed overall. Like, I want it to be a harder game, and it, it's okay, so sounding see, like it's falling, not going to be. No, you're falling prey to, like, this exact same conversation. Like, who cares what they say, how hard, like, you'll play the game, and it'll provide, like, yeah. I mean, and it'll, it'll provide entertainment, for sure. It'll provide an adequate challenge. Like, it's still a Souls game. Like, have you ever played one that was easy? 
Like Dark yeah, Souls Dark 3 Souls, maybe Dark Souls 3. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I I had enjoyment in Dark Souls 3, but it was to an extent not as good. Be, I mean, it was one of my I'll tell you, it was from a story perspective and a gameplay perspective it was my favorite. But it was super easy. And when it got when I was done playing, you it, don't like, think it's maybe just because you've already played like four of those games and you're kind no. of just used to how it is. No, because when I booted up Sekiro, Sekiro was so much harder. That's than a Dark whole Souls different 3. kind of game. It doesn't matter. It's a Soulsborne Sekiro type games. What I'm saying is that I, I played Dark Souls one. I played Dark Souls two. Those were pretty difficult. I played um, Bloodborne. That was fairly difficult at first when I was playing it. But this was Dark Souls three was totally easy in comparison to the others. And um, I, I will say though, for anybody out there that finds these games to be too difficult, you can cheese your way through a number of bosses oh, and yeah. enemies. So it's not like be a pyromancer. Yeah, it's like why why make the game feel easier with like these mounts and like extra summons and all these other things. Like Sekiro had no summons, so I mean that's part of what made it so difficult. Um, so you didn't have the ability to bring in any sort of help. It was just one-on-one throughout. So, uh, you know, I think if you have the ability to cheese your way through bosses and you understand that, and there's tutorials all over the damn place for that. In fact, I put up a video on how to cheese a boss, um, in that game. So I think if you're a player that doesn't know how to play these games, you're not very good at it. Just look at cheesing. If you can't get past something like enjoy the game, enjoy the difficulty, Cheesing and don't is bitch. a part of video game history, and I always embrace oh, yeah. cheese. Dude, there's a there's a boss in Sekiro I could not get past, but there was a specific way. I'm like, how the hell do I beat this guy? It was like this was it giant fire. No, it was a giant fire. No, the ape was a bitch. But, and the, God, the second ape was even worse. Uh, no, there was a giant fire demon that you're able to uh, to go against. It's like a, It's not a required boss. And so that one in particular, if you... You can basically trap the boss in a sense. So you put the boss on one side of the of the map where you're located, and you somehow finagle your way. I don't know if they patched it since, but you somehow finagle your way onto a building, and then you can double jump onto like this ledge you're not supposed to be able to get to, jump on top of a building, and then this giant fire demon like tries to attack and chase you while you're on this building, and it falls to its death into a, a giant pit. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so stupid. Uh, and you don't do anything, like you don't take any damage, you don't deal any damage, it, it just falls over to the side. They may have patched it since then, uh, because that, that definitely was... Um, that's a whole lot of cheese. Yeah, that's a whole lot of cheese. I mean, you don't even get to, you don't even have to lay a hand on this boss. You're just like, nope, I'm going to jump on this building and it's going to fall to its death. Well, I'm uh, sure so, that Elden Ring will have plenty of cheese in it as well. I'm sure, but it'll just be easier in general to play, and that's what's, what's disappointing. So... Yeah, that's not even right. out and you're judging it. <laughs> I know. I uh, I can't wait for it, though. I'm excited. I mean, we get another game in this genre. I love these games in general, and I want Bloodborne 2. <laughs> so, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to our E3 history here. So to kind of start this format, we're going to talk about E3 of past, which we'll kind of look into 2019. Uh, we'll jump into the present, which is 2021, since E3 was canceled last year. Uh, outside of developers doing their own thing, and uh, we'll look at the future. What is a uh, E3 2022 hold in play and so, beyond? And beyond. So, uh, I guess I'll kind of start with this, man. So, in 2019, I was actually very excited for E3. So, I'd consider that a good year, right? Um, it was. It was yeah. a much better time. We were pre-COVID. Uh, Keanu came on stage and blew everybody away. 
told everyone they were beautiful. Uh, it yeah, was a good we, time. We had the end of a console generation in a sense, right? We knew that there'd be a PS5 in the future. We knew that there'd be something else coming up. Um, uh, Project Scarlet had just got teased. Yeah, so like things were kind of working out, right? Um, Square, for example, Square Enix had a fantastic presentation back then and one of the better ones in recent memory, in my opinion. I wasn't a big fan of Nintendo's presentation. I, I do recall that. And, um, you know, overall, I think that when you look back at it, it's kind of interesting to see how we were getting like a week before E3, they were teasing Stadia or Stadia mm-hmm. or whatever, however the hell you want to call Stadia, it. Stadia like, had like a big showing. Yeah, huge showing. Like there was a ton of like hype just before E3 on that. And uh, I mean, we obviously see it worked out well for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I do wonder if, if they would have presented at E3, if it would have been a better um, a better situation for them, right? Like all eyes on Google for this big announcement at E3. I think that would have been a better play than doing their own thing. Like who's randomly trying to tune into Google to hear something on Stadia? Like right. nobody. I think and Google's so it, just used to doing their own stuff for other technologies, probably. Yeah, and I think I the imagine of, they give like keynotes through the year that I don't pay attention to. Probably, and at the end of the day, I don't think they did themselves any favors. But um, you know, that's kind of my mindset, right? Like it was good. Like I remember 2019 being a very exciting year for E3, and looking forward to to tons of games. And you know, we'll get into it here for the present, but. Totally different world, in my opinion. What was your thoughts on that? So I kind of went through and wrote down a list of things that were good or things that, you know, were announced and how they've kind of turned out since. Because, like, to see where we're at now, it's good to see what's, you know, already happened. So, like I said, uh, Project Scarlet was just teased. We knew that something would be coming, and the Series X is here now. So... You know, that paid off. Um, Cyberpunk was at the peak of its hype, and we all know how that came out, and that's that's probably the biggest thing on here that was like, wow, what was then and what really happened? So if we kind of, you know, learn those lessons, maybe there's something to see about what happened this year and what that might hold in the future. But, like, uh, Fallout 76, that went poorly. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, we still have not seen Ghostwire Tokyo um, I mean, they didn't show anything that I remember seeing at this on, E3. Have... Do you? Uh, no, I don't recall seeing anything for Ghostwire Tokyo. But Fallout seventy six, you didn't enjoy the, you know, the bags that went out and all the high quality <laughs> products that were released with that game. No, nothing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Devolver. Uh, I think that was the first year I saw Devolver like really kill it in one of those uh, hilarious videos they do, but. I mean, uh, Fall Guys got announced out of that, and that turned out great. The Messenger, I love that game. Uh, Ubisoft showed off Watch Dogs Legion. That turned out pretty good from what people say. Uh, Gods and Monsters was announced. It changed names to, uh, what was it, Immortals Phoenix Rising. And that yeah, was and that's like, tied phenomenal. in with Stadia, and that was pretty good. Uh, Square showed off Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, Octopath was there. Dying Light 2, which still isn't out. And Avengers was like the big premium showcase. And that definitely didn't turn out so good. Uh, the biggest things from Nintendo were Animal Crossing. And who would have known what that would have come into? I mean, like, everybody was excited for a new Animal Crossing. But I don't think we were ready for, like, the pandemic hype that happened behind that. And then uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, which, I mean, 
that had its own dramas kind of on and off with, you know, prior to its launch and still kind of not really taking full advantage of that service that you can like put your Pokemon into and then you have to basically pay for the rest of your life to keep them alive because you can't transfer them anywhere yet. But like <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that happened in 2019 that like it was, you know, people been critical of E3 for a while, you know, it, it had definitely declined from like the best E3s ever, but like there was a lot to be excited for in 2019. And I feel now that, you know, we've been through 2020 without an E3 and then coming to this year's E3, I mean, the legacy has a definitely tanked. Like, I mean, this was an event like no other this year, just because there was no live anything to it, but it really shows the difference. You don't get yeah, those Keanu I moments. No, you really don't. And, you know, I think after this year, they'll, of course, transition back to an in-person style event. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, we, we have the situation where some of these other companies are jumping out, right? Like, I think Activision, I want to say, did not present this year, if I'm correct. And I know EA does their own thing. And then Sony, of course, has jumped out. So, I mean, how many more Keeley's companies got are his gonna... show. What's that? Jeff Keeley's got his summer game show. Yeah, so like how many more, you know, companies are going to drop out of this in the future? Like, are they going to continue to see value or are they just going to do their own thing? And so that's that's kind of interesting to see how that's going to go down the road. And we'll talk about that more in the future here. But in regards to 2021, you know, I did have some favorites. I mean, I had some moments there that I enjoyed and I went back and watched pretty much every presentation that, you know, I felt was of value to me. Uh, the first one being Nintendo, of course, and you know, I was excited for some of the games, but it just didn't hit the mark. Like the whole digital component, just it doesn't hit the mark. And well, I think Nintendo's maybe that's just been fatigue. doing digital for years. I know, but like it just didn't hit the mark for this in particular, right? Like, I guess there's just fatigue in general for digital this year. In in general for me, because uh, I do a lot of digital stuff at work, so it doesn't help. Uh, but for this, I just wasn't super excited, man. Like there were a few games that I liked, right? Like the Mario party game, story ascending was pretty cool looking super monkey ball, Metroid dread dragon ball Z, which is like this open world dragon ball Z RPG, uh, WarioWare, fatal frame, advanced wars. Like there were some cool components to it, but it just didn't draw me in. And I think some of that was because it was digital and everything else was digital. And it just didn't have that like same liveliness to it. Um, NX, I mean, score NX, like, absolutely horrible presentation like probably i would say it was almost as bad as gearbox uh to be Don't honest with that. you man it was almost as bad dude 20 minutes of guardians of the galaxy i, like, I honestly i did not watch the square uh because i just i got what i got from hearing everybody else say that it wasn't worth watching no just it was kind absolutely of watching horrible people talk about the highlights I yeah, so I popped on YouTube and I watched all of these presentations in full for the most part. And it's opens up a Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then they go into like the interview portion. I'm like, okay, like how long is this? And so I skipped ahead to kind of see how long it was. It was like Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy. It just kept going. I'm like, if I have no interest in Guardians of the Galaxy, why would I sit through this? And I have no interest in the Guardians of the Galaxy game. So I'm just watching. Like, it went 20 plus minutes of just like those interviews with the developers and all. Of, like, not everybody wants to hear that stuff. 
Like they, just Guardians of the like, Galaxy. I hope that they do it better than Avengers. I hope that they learn that lesson. Like I think it's interesting to see Square being the company that is like doing the Marvel IPs. Like I feel like years and years of like dedicated like big storytelling and amazing visuals like they're they're it's cool to see their company get that deal to do these games but like i mean obviously marvel got you know or somebody got their hands way too into avengers and screwed that up into a live service game so if this can pay off i think that you know there's a lot of room for them to do like a marvel gaming universe like they have a marvel cinematic universe and i think there's a lot of potential but this has to nail it otherwise there's not going to be a third big budget attempt at doing one of these i think well and the thing is man like i guess what i'm missing from this event because it's digital is having you know somebody on stage and like sitting back and like actively playing and showing you the game and talking their way through it like instead of all these crazy interviews that they have with all these developers saying, oh, well, you know, we made sure that the motions of X character did this and, like, the story was going to revolve around that. I kind of want to see somebody playing it on screen, like, you know, live and hearing the commentary from that perspective and it not being 20-plus minutes of that one game, I Mm. guess. Like, that's for, you know, and so that was super disappointing just to see that, like, almost half of their presentation was that. Uh, then we get this like pixel remaster for Final Fantasy. I'm like, oh wow, like this is gonna be awesome to have this pixel remaster. And it's like Steam and mobile. Like, really? Like you you couldn't throw this on console? Like it, so it that will probably wind up coming out somewhere eventually, but like these are all individual games is the worst part. Like they're not even like collections. Like give us like three packs or you know uh, split them into two versions, you know, I don't know, do something, but like well, nobody wants like to even, buy these games one at a time again. Yeah. I mean, we had Chronicles and anthologies years ago, right. Where we could play some of these games and um, what was the other one? Origins, right? So we had origins get one, two, and then I guess it's three, four five and six, right. On uh, on the other games on PlayStation. So these were released on PlayStation years and years ago. And I would love to have a pixel remaster for like the switch or to PS4, you know, that I could kind of check out and, and replay. And yeah, it's just, I'm not going to play it on my phone. My phone has already as much issues as it does. I don't need to sit back playing games on it, you know, burn it out. Um, so let's see. If, Other, if your phone oh. gets burned out by Final Fantasy 1, Dude, your phone's my phone in gets, horrible shape. My phone gets burned out right now using Facebook. I have far too much crap on my phone to put on something else. Like, dude, I use my phone for pictures and videos and chatting and all that type of stuff. I'm not going to sit there and play games on it. That's just not what I do on my phone. So it's, I guess maybe because we're older. I don't know, man. But I spent I just, a lot I of time trying to like jailbreak my iPhone to get it to run Final Fantasy VII and then never finishing playing it. Like <laughs> yeah, I have I, an I just, app on my phone that I could just hit a button and it just launches Paper Mario. Like yeah, I. But I don't use it. I just have no interest in playing games on my phone. Like I really it's don't. Hard. Even when I play, yeah, even when I've played emulators and such, like on an airplane on my phone, it's just not fun. Um. So let's see what else. Uh, I was pretty excited for Legend of Mana. Um, that looks pretty cool. The Final Fantasy prequel looks okay, but it kind of was annoying. Like the main character, like ripping apart different types of enemies and like his catchphrases were just kind of like, okay. Oh, the chaos? Like yeah, like chaos break or whatever. Like turn I to must dust. Destroy and, chaos. 
I was like, okay, dude, like you've got an issue, but it, it kind of looks to me like it might be a rated uh, mature Final Fantasy game based on like a lot of the blood and such. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out down the road. Um, and then just, what was the other way? So Forspoken looked pretty cool. Um, the little preview that they had of that. And then the Final Fantasy 16, a little preview they had too. But I mean, it was literally seconds of like, here's games coming out. Like, yeah. I, I would rather see more of games like Forspoken and Final Fantasy 16 than 20 minutes of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which, by the way, they showed a clip for in the same section that they were showing clips for uh, Final Fantasy 16 and Forspoken. So I think it's Forspoken is what it's called. Um, I'm going to double check that really quick before somebody's like, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, Forspoken. And so... Uh, yeah, so overall, laughably bad presentation on their part. And then, dude, Microsoft flipping killed it on theirs. Like, I've never been that excited after a Microsoft presentation. Like, we got to see some of the Ayudan uh, Chronicles in a trailer. Uh, Redfall looked pretty good. Um, let's see, Plague Tale I don't really Requiem. know what to think about Redfall. Honestly, like, it was, like, such a surprise, like... Wait, what? Another vampire game? Was there already, like, it seems like there's just, a lot of vampire games coming out these days. I get it, but it just, well, I mean, you go through phases, right? We had zombies, no werewolves, and then vampires, and then back to zombies, so it's there vampire was that season. one werewolf game, what was it, The Order 1886 or something? Eh, it was like a mix. I don't think it was just werewolf, if I recall. It was good. I liked there's it. There's lots of werewolves but, in uh, RE8. There yeah, we go. true. But uh, Starfield looks phenomenal stalker no two of stalker no werewolves stalker two looks phenomenal no werewolves but that's mutants. what i want a space game with werewolves well we have space nazis if you watch um, that other that movie i forget what it's called uh we got psychonauts 2 which looks sick uh somerville actually looked pretty awesome yeah. halo infinite with a free multiplayer that's actually pretty cool um and then of course plague tale requiem i just played plague tale um I think innocence. it's innocence. Yeah. Uh, so dude, I'm so excited for that. Luckily that's multi-plat. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's so hard to not want to get like game pass and play these games. And Oh, by the way, if you want to grab a drink from your Xbox mini fridge, you have that as an option. Right. So dude, absolutely loved it. I thought they killed it. How um, many scalpers are going to get those mini fridges. <laughs> who knows, man? Hopefully it's like home Depot pre-orders or something. So, but overall, like, I, I was excited to an extent for some of these presentations from this year, but at the same time, I wasn't just because of the format. And um, I, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of sad, right? When at the end of the day, like my favorite thing coming out of an E3 is Microsoft. Like that's kind of scary because that's never been the case uh, in years past. I don't think it's scary. I think it's just that Microsoft is the only one who really kind of like, we've been seeing them training and building and buying Bethesda and like, you know, they really brought it this year after kind of getting whooped, you know, in the last generation, I think that they've really invested their time well into building up game pass. And, you know, they've got something out there for everyone. They got rid of the Xbox live, you know, subscription needs. So it's like people are just going to be able to play halo online for free they won't even need you know uh xbox live gold anymore so that'll be killer uh and i think that people are kind of going the other way now with how they feel about sony just after walking back on you know 
these games are going to be PS5 only. Like they said, you know, Godfall can only be done on next gen, and now it's coming to PS4. And so is, um, I think, the next Gran Turismo and the next God, God of, of War. War. And it's like... Horizon. Yeah, so it's like, you know... Microsoft is putting just games out there. They're just like, hey, guess what? You got a TV, you got an old Xbox, you got a new Xbox. Here's all this stuff. Meanwhile, everybody else is like, okay, I want a PS5 or I have a PS5 and there's not anything to play and you guys aren't showing anything and you I get that you don't want to be a part of E3 this year, but like are you going to are we going to get something from you guys? <laughs> I mean, Sony has shown off a lot outside of E3, so like I have no doubt that they're going to have some fantastic IPs that they release. And we've recently covered some articles that they have like an absurd amount of new IPs that they're currently working on uh, for the console. So like I have no doubt that Sony is going to produce like some quality want, content. I want Sony to come out and give us a show, show us why they don't need to be part of E3, but do like Nintendo, like give people a lineup of stuff like Nintendo was so affected of, of being like, you know, here's games that are going to come out. Uh, here's a schedule, you know, just play one. And by the time you're done with that one, we'll have another one out. Well, I guess, you know, in a way I, I kind of don't understand like this hatred between like Sony and, and E3, right? Like I get it. We talked about it, like last week, but at the same time, just, do trailers like that's it just have your presence there and it's not gonna like financially it's not like they're hurting for money you know and how much does it cost to do just trailers at e3 and have a slot of 30 minutes to do trailers like have that presence because you're your biggest competitor the limelight anymore i guess I, I guess but like now you have no limelight to be shared and you're just giving you know more ammo to microsoft and nintendo to push their products out there and you know, is somebody going to just kind of sit back and watch like a Sony presentation? You know, at the end of the day, I think those types of things get lost in the clutter on everyday news. And you have this big platform to come out and, and show content and you're not doing it. So I get why they're not jumping in. But at the same time, it's this is the one kind of, of the year dumb you're going to catch eyes from people that are just casually looking in. Yeah, no, no casual people are really going to be like looking for a Sony exclusive showing, you know, two months from now or whenever the next time they show off some stuff happens to be. Yeah. And, well, I guess, and let's jump into the next point here, like the future of E3, because I think some of what Sony is doing here by not attending E3 is trying to maximize like where they're located. Right. So uh, we have so many other shows like PAX and Tokyo game show and the game awards. Right. Why is there a need for Sony to go to E3? You know, at, at the same time, like, why continue to go to E3 when there's all these other great conferences that happen on an annual basis? You have your online presence and, you know, can throw together a, a Sony a game, whatever they call it. I forget the term, but, you know, they're... State of play or something? State of play, yeah. Sony state of play whenever they do that. So, I get it. I mean, there's tons of other opportunities throughout the year, but at the same time, it doesn't make sense to not be there. So I think that's kind of a sign of things to come, right? You have companies like Sony and I guess Activision and EA and all these other companies that are, are starting to kind of back out of attending this conference because they want to do their own stuff. And where does that leave E3? You know, I think 
with there being such a clutter in the market of all these different conferences and all these other opportunities and ways to reach players uh, through different forms of media, something like ETH, like something's going to go, right? Something has to fall off. And I think with the lack of excitement that we had from E3 this year and companies backing out, I think that conference that needs to go is E3. I don't think it's, you know, unless something happens next year that kind of changes how they approach their conference, I think it's done in the next like five years. I can't see it continuing. See, what I would like to see happen is that, you know, E3's always been a haven for, you know, these big shows and, you know, big reveals. And, you know, we get so many of those, like you said, at other times of the year, Game Awards is always showing off stuff, you know. The big hitters don't really need E3, but I think the industry needs E3. And I would like to see E3 maybe step up since it's just like they're, you know, they're a part of everyone, you know, not just the big companies. So if the big companies want to step off like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo and Ubisoft and whoever and do their own shows, that's fine. But let's keep E3 around and let's use it as more of a showcase for like, you know, I always include Devolver as a part of E3, even though technically I think they're just doing their own thing during that week. Uh, like a lot of other smaller people are. They're just using that time of the year because it's the time to get attention on them. Like I think Devolver was on the schedule, if I recall. Okay. I, I know sometimes they're not, or sometimes like other smaller places aren't. Um, they just kind of do their own thing around E3. But like, I would like to see like more indie showcase. I think it's still good to have like, you know, physical booths are still really cool and people that go there like to see those things. But like if you could throw together like an indie showcase of games that have demos available now that you can go on and check out and like have like that kind of virtual interaction with E3 through like smaller developers, I think you could do a lot of hype and a lot of cool stuff in a way that is like, more interesting taking a look at stuff instead of just like, all right, we're going to do an indie showcase for an hour and a half and we'll just like sizzle reel a thousand games or here's 70 indie games that are coming out. We're going to show all of them for five seconds and we'll talk about three, you know? Well, I want to say there was a, you know, a number of, I got to find the article um, and actually I got to share it with you anyways, because it's really cool. I had like 16 or 20 indie games that you may have missed at E3 and I was watching those and there was a lot of great games dude that were showcased um I don't know necessarily they were at E3 I'm pretty sure they were uh but it was like you know like I said 16 to 20 games that you might have missed and Mm -hmm. so but I think you're right like there isn't a huge necessarily a huge platform and push for a lot of these indie developers and I would like to see that a lot more in an event of this nature and it would Um, be freed up for them to have time if the others, you know, the big boys decided to just do their own thing later. Yeah. I mean, maybe I missed it too. Like, like the article said, right? Like games that you might've missed and maybe there was a huge component to E3 that was pushing indie, but at the end of the day, it, it gets overshadowed by a lot of these bigger, um, you know, behemoths of companies that are, you know, showing their content and that kind of stuff just or falls to the wayside content or not showing their content yet. Or talking 20 minutes, guardians of the galaxy. Um, 
But I mean, like Nintendo does a good job with that too, right? So they have like that indie direct showcase that they do mm-hmm. annually or have been doing the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I do think that a lot of the indies are getting like their spotlight uh, through some of these other large companies like Nintendo. And I think EA as well. We talked about that a long time ago. EA does a whole thing for indies. Um, so I think they're getting, you know, the word is getting out there for a lot of them, but you're right. I mean, if we can have a bigger play on on indies for E3, that'd be pretty cool. But then again, like if all these big players start moving out, they're the ones with the big bucks. So that means you got to scale back in terms of what you're doing at E3 and your marketing budget and everything else that comes along with it because you're not pulling in however you know much revenue that you need to because Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo decide they're going to back out at some point. You know. So yeah, you scale it back, you make it not as much of a big dollar, you know, thing for that. Maybe you take it down and like make it have like, you know, a more reasonable attendance, make it have, you know, like maybe not as much. Cause it's a lot to try to keep up with. Like to try to watch all of E3 is a lot to do. So you think, so it sounds like in your mind where you would like to see E3 go is a total overhaul of how they present themselves. I just think let the people that don't want to be there move on and let everybody else that's still there or wants to become a part of that space do so. And it would actually be like a cheaper event. You know, you'd be able to show off a lot more variety of things. Cause like, I mean, Ubisoft can come and show off Ubisoft games, but they're, they're all Ubisoft open world stuff. You know, they're all in that yeah. same vein for the most part, except for just dance and that um, uh, biking, snowboarding wingsuit game that they came out with. What was that called? That one looked really cool. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, Writer's Republic. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I don't know. There was lots of cool stuff. I saw one thing I noticed a lot at the E3 this this year was support for like ongoing games and stuff and i think that you know making that a part of any future e3 like having a dedicated block to like you know hey live service games are here to stay i think in the future we're only going to see more and more time devoted to you know here's an update on a game from two years ago it's still alive are you still spending money on it i think that's just going to keep clogging up the pipes as we move forward into the future too Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, man. So I, I'm in, in a sense not excited for E3 next year, right? But at the same time, I'm excited to see where it goes and what happens. I think so, they're going to uh, make a big push. I think next year they'll throw a lot of money at it. They'll try to get everybody really excited. And I think it'll just wind up falling short. And then they'll be like, okay, are we going to go next year? Or do we go all digital? But I... I I hope that they try to make a big push next year just to see if they can. Yeah. We'll see, man. It's uh, June 2022, most likely. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. And if any changes happen in the direction, if anybody else backs out of it, definitely curious to see how this all works out in the future. But let's uh, move on from E3. And uh, with an exclamation point at the end, let's play some Plonk. Oh, uh, so plock. this one, I, I I put an N in there on accident. You put an N on there? Oh my God! Did we plock. say plock, plonk? Yeah, you put an N. You see, you see people what Ryan does to me. He like 
purposefully puts things in here. So I mess it up because I'm literally reading from a script. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to read from the script here and he just ruins it. Uh, okay. So developed by software creations, it is published by trade West. Uh, designer was SDE and John. It's, Pickford. it's actually, I, that's, that's is actually that another yeah. mistake. Yeah. That, so that, that shouldn't all be capital. So it's Stee and John Pickford. They're brothers. Oh, Stee and John. <sighs> See again, he just, I, he bamboozled I did, me. Well, I copied and pasted it, and then I did like some research to find out because I was like, "STE and John Pickford." That sounds like a weird name for like a design studio. And then I looked it up, and it's like, nope, the guy's name is Steve. I got to start researching your notes here before, <laughs> before right? I start reading them. Uh, so, Steve and John Pickford. It was released in September of '93, and it is a platformer. It had a reception around eight out of ten. And I am on the opposite side of that eight out of 10 and not for the good part. Um, so dude, me personally, wasn't a huge fan of it. As far as platformers are concerned, I love platformers. This just didn't hit the mark. I mean, you had Colonel Ketchup Mustard uh, <laughs> running around trying to get like flags and ends up getting his pajamas and socks and shit. And throwing uh, out the weirdest phrases. Yeah. Uh, Very I've been diddled again. I just, I didn't, like, I just, it's a kid's game, like, 100% kid's game platformer, and it just, it was hard, too. That's the worst part, is, like, I can't imagine playing that as a child. Like, I, I never did, obviously, um, hence why I called it Plonk uh, to start this off, and, yeah, so, I mean, the art components were cool, right? The, the, the overall, like, controls are pretty fluid, you know, which, what you would want for a platformer. The difficulty was kind of absurd. Um, there didn't seem to be like a cohesive story going on it, which kind of bugs me in a sense. Like I know platformers don't necessarily need to have like a crazy story going for them, but like it just wasn't compelling what we were playing. And I just, I didn't have a whole lot of interest going into, or not going into it. I didn't have a lot of interest in playing through it uh, as we were, you know, obviously playing it. Um, so I would say in terms of a rating on this game and what we experienced, uh, I would be on like that six out of 10 scale. And that's me being fair. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Like, I feel like we've had like a really good run of games lately. And this definitely wasn't a bad game. It was just one of those games that like, I don't know, man, it's Plock. You ever heard anybody talk about Plock? You ever heard people be like, dude, man, Let's get our plot on tonight. Like, it's an okay game that came out. It got decent ratings because there's nothing, you know, it's pretty inoffensive. Like, it wasn't like horrible controls. It wasn't like absolutely impossible. It was just okay in every way. And that's fine. You know, I'm sure there's more of those. There's more seven and eights than probably any other rating for games because you know, people are too nice to say that it's terrible and people are too on or, you know, too honest to be like, oh, no, this is the best. Like, they're not going to say that. Well, and I should probably take it back. That's super hard, too, because there was that like special Sonic type jump that you that discovered. We had no through, idea about. Yeah, that we had no idea about. So, like, I got through like the first like three or four levels, like with no problem. Uh, it was only on that last one. We're like, why the hell can't I get up here? And realizing, oh, wait, I have like the Sonic jump that I could do. Uh, to get there but it's just it's not a game i'm going to be going back to i can tell you that and 
it really did feel like that Ronald McDonald treasure hunt game, whatever the hell it is. It's on Sega. Like it really had like that same look and feel. And didn't you say that this game was actually supposed to be something else before it was made when you were doing research on it? Um, there was something weird about this. Let me look it up again. Like, so Plock was supposed to be like originally another title. And then they went ahead and just reskinned it basically to make Plock. Like, I, I don't remember the game. So if you find it cool, if not, no big deal. Um, but yeah, so like I said, as far as platformers are concerned, definitely not my cup of tea, um, you know, as far as what I've got in the collection. Uh, so in terms of brass tacks on this game, you're looking at complete in box is sitting at 73.75. That is the peak. Uh, and that trend is holding for a complete in box copy. But I think a lot of that's just everybody's trying to get their hands on complete in box copies of crap right now. And this just isn't a super common game. Uh, a loose copy is going to run you 2828. Uh, that is at its peak as well. And it looks like it's still trending up. Um, uh, again, no idea why a title of this is, is going for the rate that it's going. Uh, but kudos to anybody that picks it up. And just because of pandemic like prices, baby. I guess. I mean, like, it's kind of stupid at the end of the day. Like, why Why are you buying Plock? Like, like, are you trying to complete a Super Nintendo collection? Is this a matter of everybody's trying to complete their SNES collections at the same time? I, I just don't get it, dude. Like, this is not a game that's... I'm going to just straight up say I think it's inflated. I don't think it's worth 28 28 right now. I mean, maybe 10 15 bucks. you know, on a good day. I don't think it's worth this. Highly inflated. Dude. For a piece of plock history, you're not going to throw down a cool 30? No. No way, dude. Uh, did you find out what game it was supposed to be? Uh, I'm trying to look here. No worries. Uh, you all can do your research. Because <laughs> we clearly didn't. Uh, I just I know it was like in kind of just in passing while we were playing. You had brought it up uh, earlier. Um, so you have some other notes here. You have... Uh, oh, those are just a... some things that like... There's like one point we beat a level and Plock's just like, what's going on? And we're like, come on, Plock, you're supposed to tell us that. Yeah, you are. Like, I guess or the, it's the, the I've on. been like, diddled again. Or like, there's like a song in the background that just sounds like like an Iraqi illusion. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did mention that while we were playing. You're like, is that Eye of the Tiger in the background? It definitely wasn't, but I, I did get that vibe. So, all right. So, dude, I'm on Inflated. Like, definitely Inflated. Like two oh, times yeah, inflated no, on this. This is definitely uh, an overpriced game. I I think that it's, I think that it's got like enough going for it that you know, if you found it on sale, I would say pick it up, especially since it's going up. You know, like maybe this is a game that is overpriced, but maybe this is a game that you should buy now because you might not be able to find it for a price better than this in the future. Maybe. I mean, it's got a cool cover. I'll give them that uh, for sure. Um, I'm just I'm trying to look here as well to see if. Oh, so <laughs> it's funny that we uh, we called him Ketchup and Mustard uh, Klansman because it says in uh, in the wiki here as I looked it up, um, players portray the hood headed uh, titular protagonist, the king of the island, Acrylic, who's protecting it from fleas spawned by the flea queen. Did you get any of that? while we were playing that game no no i did not <laughs> no not I one did not. bit <laughs> and like and we read like every line so i'm just so confused like it's 
kind of ridiculous. Um, and then, yeah, so his versatility lies in his four separable limbs, uh, which can be used to shoot at targets and enemies, although later segments require some being temporarily sacrificed and several power-ups are scattered throughout the colorful stages as presents. Do you remember when we got what felt like a Mario star and we grabbed it and it lasted like four seconds? <laughs> we died and we we're like, what the hell? Like, And there was like no special music tied to it. You're just blinking in, in light. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, here it is. Um, it was supposed to be... so. Plock's history began in the 1980s as a self-funded coin-op project by the Pickford brothers named Flea Pit. Mm. So that's uh, that's where it started. It should um, have stayed there. It should have stayed as Flea Pit because that's pretty much what it was. Uh, and then they praised it. Critics praise this game, it says, for its innovative ideas, variety, presentation, and versatile playable character and level design. However, some expressed skepticism with it being the same cutesy, colorful title platform as many others, and the Pickfords attributed its underwhelming sales to market saturation and mascot platformers. Yeah, not, I don't think not that's a why great it attempt at a mascot. Yeah, and I don't think that's why it sold poorly. I think it's just because it doesn't play well, yeah. and it's not a good game. Yeah. So, but, you know, as we were saying, um, it did get pretty decent uh, reviews overall. And just kind of go through those uh, really quick, just, you know, more so than the average. You're looking at, like, an 80 on here from Megafon and CVG gave it an 80. EGM gave it an eight out of 10. I mean, there are a lot of eighties. It on was here. like solidly rated. Yeah. And get this. So upon release, critics declared plot, the best Nintendo release in 1993. Yeah. I read that like, one. Yeah. What was, uh, did nothing else come out in 1993 on Nintendo? Dude, I guess that there's just like, maybe there's just a bunch of plot stands out there and we're like alienating people's childhood right now. Maybe like, or was it kind of like the dark age of Super Nintendo, like 1993, the year that Plock was the best game out? Like, it just doesn't seem like a, a good year overall. And I know that there's good games that probably came out in '93, but yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was overshadowed by you know better games. So, God, I hate to like smash on Plock so much, man. He just looks like a cute, lovable character just trying to get his pants and his flags. That's all it was. That's what I got from it, by the way. I didn't get fleas at all. I, I got, I'm looking for my pants and a flag. Let's see. That's, 93 was Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a platformer, though. Oh. But still, Mortal Kombat. So that was a good game. So why well, was, was it labeled the best game of Nintendo? Critics declared Plock the best Nintendo release of 1993. Super, or Street Fighter Two Hyper Fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, these critics are not. This is Star like Rotten Fox Tomatoes came critics. out in. Oh well, that was in Japan. It doesn't matter. It came out in '93, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess point being is, look at these reviews of eight out of ten and kind of compare it to. Oh, Rotten I was looking Tomatoes. at arcade cabinets. That's why it was such a dumb looking list. I was like, what is wrong oh, I gotcha. with this list? Okay, so Super Nintendo, yeah, Street Fighter Two, uh, Star Fox. Mortal Kombat. Okay, all the things I already said. Plock is not listed on here. It's because it's not that good of a game, Ryan. Super Mario Land 2, 6 Golden Coins. Eh. Link's I mean, Awakening. Okay, so Kirby's Link's Dreamland. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of sad, right? 
Well, Link, Link's Awakening wasn't Super Nintendo, right? Well, no, this does this is best Nintendo release. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, these critics did not know what they were talking about. Clearly, who knows? Back then, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? They were paid off. These <laughs> charts are like terrible looking. Like I gotta believe that there was more than you gotta believe. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there had to have been more. Okay, so long story short, we'll we'll stop our ramble and destruction of Plonk. Uh, although it should be called Plonk at this point. <laughs> it is Plonk from <laughs> here on. So punch it in, Ryan. If you don't agree, is, if you don't agree with Plonk, let us know. Or, or Plonk, just in case you didn't get that joke the last five times we've said it. Um, <laughs> put in, let's mark this up as inflated, dude. We'll have to update our website at some point in time to showcase this as We'll inflated. do it. And uh, we got to start putting in our notes here so when we do edit, we don't have to listen back to all of our episodes and be like, why did we hate Plock? Although this one I think will serve our memories very well when that time comes to make the updates. Okay. Uh, I see that you have inflated Plock is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Reading the live edits right now, the notes. All right, well, dude, I'm not sure. Uh, Let's see. So next week, I was going to say, I don't know what we're playing. Next week, we're not playing a game because we actually have a... Uh, special guest who will be on our ep- no we are playing a game I, I forgot about that so I'm not going to give it away but we have a special guest next week um, that you'll hear and I think you guys will enjoy that episode uh, as a hint it is a publisher so that should be pretty cool and it's um, also uh, somebody who works with friend of the show Paul Niemeyer yes might be giving away too much Ryan but either way you guys will enjoy the show and you'll listen to it and when you're done you'll go on to all of those wonderful podcast applications and leave us two five-star reviews because you enjoyed it so much. And then you'll go check out thegamedeflators.com because that's also awesome. And then you'll sing high praises on Instagram and Facebook at The Game Deflators and Twitter at Game Deflators. That was a good segue, Ryan. I like that. Congrats. Congrats, yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> so we will start um, ending this episode, I guess, now, right? All so right. uh, this has been episode 136 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.